This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to the Delicious Yellow podcast. I'm afraid to disappoint. It is just me, Ella Mills, again today. Matthew Mills will be back again next week. He is currently at the US Embassy, trying to see if we can get visas because we are going to bring Delicious Yellow over. So I hope that counts as a good enough excuse not to be here. But I am really, really excited about our episode today. We are talking all about our smartphone usage, how much time we spend online, the effect that that's having on our well-being, kind of mentally and physically, and the list goes on and on. And I really want to start with a list of facts because when I started to research this podcast, I actually had no idea quite how intense our online usage was. So as it stands, the average person in the UK spends more than a day a week online. We're spending over two hours a day just on social media and messaging apps. We tap, swipe and click on our devices on average 2,617 times a day. We're checking our smartphones every 12 minutes or so. In the last 10 minutes, 34% of us have checked our Facebook. UK children spend six and a half hours a day on screens. 69% of UK children say their parents spend too much time on their mobile devices at home. 62% of polled UK adults say they hate how much time they spend on their phones. So first of all, we're spending an insane amount of time on our phones, on devices. And then we're not happy about it. And we're going to go into specific topics as we get on. But I guess we want to talk about this because too many of us are kind of feeling frazzled. We're feeling a bit unsure about how to deal with it because we don't want to shun technology. Technology is amazing. It allows us to connect with each other, you know, to talk to friends on the other side of the world, to create international business. And it's really exciting. But our balance is maybe off. And so our guest today, Tanya Gooden, is a real advocate for finding that balance. And she has a website, Time to Log Off, which has so many stats on that will literally blow your mind. And this amazing little book called Off. And when I was reading Off last night, kind of preparing for this, there was a moment where you're giving ideas of, of how to divorce yourself from your phone. And you say, don't take it into the bathroom. And I, I laughed and I was like, this is insanity. I always take my phone to the bathroom and what the hell is going on? And so welcome, Tanya. And Nice to be here. What's going on? <laughs> well, do you know, taking the phone into the bathroom is one of my little grassroots campaigns because every time I do talks, I do talks in workplaces and in schools, I say, I think, you know, if we're trying to find ways to cut back, we could all stop taking our phones into the loo. And everyone laughs because we're all doing it. I think I've dropped mine in the loo three times and and twice in the bath. (laughs) I think the fact that we can't even put them down to go to the loo, it should be a little red flag that's waving at the moment saying what is happening with our tech habits. Yeah, I mean, that was a humongous red flag for me last night where I just thought, what? is going on and I started to think about all the times you go out for dinner or coffee or something with a friend and they go oh I just need to go to the loo or you say I just need to go to the loo and you pick up your phone and you check it while you're in the loo and you check it on the way to and then having been researching this I've been just walking down the street deliberately keeping my phone in my pocket which by the way is hard I can feel myself itching for it and I know I'm not alone in that because I walk along and I just see everyone has got their nose in their screen, staring at the ground. Like, you don't even... The sky could go green for a split second and you would miss it. 
So I guess I want to start with, there's a really interesting thing, as we said, we're now on average spending 25 hours a week online, so just over a day. But back in 2005, so not quite 15 years ago, that was nine hours. Mm. So do you think that part of this kind of issue that we have, because I've, I've asked our readers for questions and so much of it comes down to fear of missing out if you're not online, yeah. sense of insecurity from being online, using your phone for boredom and therefore almost feeling more bored and the fact that it makes us actually feel less connected to each other. Mm. And do you think part of the issue is, is that technology has advanced so, so, so quickly that we almost haven't had a second to kind of catch our breath and therefore find a way to find that right balance? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a blink of an eye, isn't it? 15 years is nothing. I didn't even have a computer when I was at school. I didn't have one until I was in my first job. So the whole tech revolution has happened so fast. And I think you're right. I don't think there's been a moment, and I hope that moment's now. That's what we're trying to do with Time to Log Off. But there hasn't really been a moment where we've stopped and thought, hang on a minute, is this how we want to use it? Because we've just adopted, you know, each new app. When the App Store came out, we adopted that. When social media launched, we, you know, we all piled in and thought this is great. The ability to check emails anywhere from the office, isn't that great? Because we can all work flexibly. And I don't think we stopped to think what the price we might pay would be. Um, and I think what's happening now is that we're all starting to have those conversations. So why does it matter? Like, you know, I'm sure there'll be people sitting there thinking, but why should I spend less time on my screen? I think you just alluded to it earlier when you said we're supposed to be more connected, but actually we're less. So one of the drivers for me was reading some statistics about loneliness. I don't know if you know, but we've now got a minister for loneliness in the UK. And what's really interesting about that is the loneliest segment of the population are the 18 to 34 year olds. So you kind of have this view, don't you, that it's old people at home on their own. But actually, those people probably developed better, potentially better social skills when they were younger and, and know how to make friends, how to strike up a conversation in a you know cafe or a, in a bus queue. Um, and it's potentially that generation that didn't quite grow up with it, but maybe had tech from their teens onwards. I think have retreated behind screens. And so we're doing a lot less of the face-to-face connecting. I think social media is one of the real problems because we feel like we've kept up with our friends because we're looking at their Facebook feeds or their Insta feeds. You know, we're looking at Insta stories and think, oh, I know everything that's going on in her life. And I'm making a little comment occasionally on a photo and I'm liking something. And we feel that's, you know, we've caught up. That's our friendship. And we're doing a lot less of that face-to-face connecting. And I think we're all getting, getting lonelier. And I think one of the other things that's interesting is that I think it also, it prompts that, and it was one of our readers' questions that kept coming up, FOMO, the fear of missing out, because... And I remember talking to my mum about this recently. You know, she said when I was 17, if I wasn't invited to a party or just something, you know, to hang out with my friends, the cinema, whatever, I had no idea. Mm. Not unless someone Mm. came back to school and told me that I wasn't... Blissful ignorance, Blissful ignorance. And nobody is invited to everything. You know, there's always things happening without you, but now we can go online and we can see how much we're missing out. And that seems to be such a big thing, but also we can compare ourselves to others so easy. And there was an amazing stat, again, on your website that said 52% of school-aged students said that social media makes them feel less confident about both their appearance and how interesting their life is. And I thought that was... It's so sad, but they're also almost half of 18 to 34-year-olds said their social media feed made them feel less attractive. Mm. And so it seems like, and is that fair to say, that why it matters is because it's actually damaging our ability to be happy to some extent. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the analogies... 
I like to use is food, interestingly enough. We've got to work out how to use tech healthily in the same way that we have to work out how to eat healthily. You know, if you're scrolling on Instagram and you're doing that for a couple of hours a day, when you come up, you just feel a bit flat and a bit not great about yourself. Maybe stop doing it. We've got to learn how to develop those social signals, I think, that make us realise that what we're doing isn't actually making us feel good. Because is it true in saying there is now studies linking overuse of platforms like social media and increased um, rates of anxiety and depression? Yeah, yeah. so heavy smartphone users, there's a direct correlation between heavy smartphone users and anxiety. And I find that really interesting because anxiety is actually really on the increase. You know, if you think about kind of depression and anxiety, it's anxiety that we've got more of an issue with, really, particularly in the UK. When I talk to mental health professionals, they say they're treating younger and younger children. And I think there's something about that whole FOMO and the insistent nature of your phone buzzing and seeing, you know, oh, somebody's put another post up that just makes us feel a bit anxious. I mean, you know, I, I know if I haven't checked my phone for a while, you know, because I'm, I'm not perfect, I'm work in progress, I think, have I missed something? It's part of the picture of why we've got so many mental health issues in young children, I think. And so what can you do about it? Like, I think what you said is really nice about trying to relating it to food or something like that like for me like I know I like getting outside every day like I like taking a walk and I notice you know if I haven't really moved in any capacity in a couple of days I feel a bit kind of antsy and so I do it and And you feel good totally and I like that way of looking at it at kind of checking in like how does this actually make me feel but one of the questions that kept coming up and actually I totally nodded along to it because it's exactly how I feel is often we just reach for out of boredom yeah Um, I don't know whether it's right in saying it's affecting our attention span so affecting our attention span adult attention spans have been tracked for about um, 50 years I think and about three years ago officially now our attention spans um, Microsoft had a piece of research that shows they're less than goldfish so the kind of joke that the you know attention span of a goldfish we're losing the ability to focus because we're permanently distracted because we're multitasking we've got our phones we've got our laptops um, we're constantly moving be- between one thing and another. So, yeah, we're, we're, we just can't focus in the way we did. And I think that's making us less productive. I mean, that was one of the, the drivers for me when I first started off on this kind of journey. I thought, I feel like I'm busy all the time, but I feel like compared to 10 years ago, I'm getting less done. And it was because I was constantly checking, you know, we now spend 28% of our day just checking email. Really? So not actually doing anything. And that's of a 24-hour day, that's not of a waking day. That's a 24-hour day, yeah. So, so you're considering how much of that you're asleep. Yeah, and, and the average email now is opened within, drumroll, six seconds. No way. Yes. So if you imagine we spend 28% of our day checking email, we're opening them all within six seconds, and it then takes about 25 to 30 minutes to get back into the kind of maximum zone of focus. We're not focused at any time during the day because we're constantly checking but also when your phone bings it gives you a hit of dopamine yeah and therefore we actually yeah. become we got become hooked on it you're like chemically yeah. addicted yeah i mean we've got lots of evidence that shows that if your tweets get retweeted or you get likes on instagram you get that little feel good buzz in the brain and obviously we're designed you know part of it is kind of social validation and social approval that's what's so seductive about social media in particular we're designed as animals to seek out approval from others because that's what kept us alive And now we can get it on steroids on social media and we're addicted to it. So, you know, you talk to people about looking at their photos and, you know, why did that post on Insta get 300 likes, but that one only get 100? What did I do wrong? 
Yeah, I found that really interesting. I was talking to someone about that the other day about this kind of addiction that we often have um, or kind of compulsive need to see what's going on. You know, all these companies say they're kind of introducing things to help. So, you know, Instagram now pops up with you're all caught up now. You know, yeah, you've seen yeah, everything. Yeah, you can leave it now and walk away. But yeah. then they introduce Instagram stories. Yeah. So yeah. then you've got all that to look at. And then you have, you know, if you click the search bar, you have, these are all the millions of accounts that yeah, we think that you, you might like. You might like to connect with. Yes. So you finished here. Yeah. But let me take you on these paths. You can't ever finish there. Yeah. You know, I have, and especially now, especially like being awake in the night feeding Sky. I mean, I've literally ended up in like friends, cousins, cats, girlfriends, you know, I don't even know what I'm looking <laughs> you at. You go down a black hole, don't you? And think, how did I get here? Yeah. I know. And I found myself saying like, Okay, I know it's middle of the night and I'm trying to keep myself awake, but like, here's my daughter. She's like 10 days old. Am I seriously not more interested? And, you know, this ability that we have to be present seems to be so sorely lacking. And what's interesting is happiness is a consistent theme for us in, in our podcast. Mm. And people come back to time and time and time and time and time again. The thing that makes us happy is being present. Yeah. And being actually... Being with people that we love. Yeah, and actually yeah. being there. Because that's what's interesting is you are there, but you're so busy taking a picture of being there or you're so busy seeing what someone else is doing in another country that you're not actually there. You're physically there, but you're not yeah. kind of fully emotionally engaged in it. And that's what's so interesting and seems to me like such a big problem is that we, we're really struggling to therefore connect with people. I think we should not beat ourselves up about it, though. I think, you know, when you're talking about feeding Sky and thinking, what, why am I doing this? We're all kind of rats in a very big experiment and there are much more sophisticated brains than us working out how to make sure that even though you've got, you know, the person you love most in the world in front of you, you still want to check your phone. I think what we need to do is work out what, you know, the small steps that we can take to actually make sure that we, do, we don't get sucked into that rabbit hole. And so what, what are the steps? Where do you advise that people start with this? So I think when you talk about something like digital detox, which I know is, you know, over all my books and over my podcast, people feel that means I have to completely give up tech or it means I have to go away for three months and not use a phone. Uh, and I don't think that's realistic. So I think what we need to do is exercise our without screen muscle a little bit and just try very small steps. So not taking our phones into the loo. <laughs> Yeah, I will never take my phone to the loo again. That would be the one step I would tell everyone to do. Um, everyone talks about not having phones in bedrooms. I would love to say to everyone, you should do that, but I know how really hard that is. But maybe try it. Maybe see if, you know, you get to kind of bedtime at night, you put it outside the door, or maybe you plug it the farther side of the room, because we most of least sleep with our phones right by our beds. So it's all about introducing little steps, little hurdles that make it difficult to pick it up reflexively. I had a really interesting thing with that because Matt and I said, this is insane. Like, this is our time to talk to each other because we're really busy in the day. And here we are. He's watching golf swings and I'm watching someone ice a cake. Yeah. And, you're and thinking, you're next to each other. Yeah. yeah. And you're thinking, this is nuts. You know, why aren't we having conversation with each other? And I, I put something up on Instagram saying, you know, we're trying a new thing. We're going to keep up our phones. Actually, have to admit, in the bathroom. But, <laughs> <laughs> so they were going in the bathroom, but to, to not go in our bedroom, basically. And all these people replied saying, how are you going to be able to wake up in the morning? Like, oh, yeah. And I thought, this yeah. is so... Have we forgotten that what an alarm, an alarm clock, clock. is? Yeah. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I just mean, it, again, just like not taking your phone to the loo, it's really indicative of how sort of yeah. attached we yeah. are to them. And But, you know, even if you don't have an alarm clock, 
an iPhone alarm is really insistent. You could have it outside the door, you could have it in the bathroom and you'd still hear it. Yeah, it's true. That, that's so aggressive. Would, because actually I set alarms off all the time to remind myself of things and, you know, you can hear them everywhere. I like what you said, though. It's not about kind of beating yourself up for it or trying to say, I'll never use my phone again. Because mm. what kept coming up was people saying, I'm struggling to get my balance right, or my yeah. work-life balance. But when I don't look at it, I have a kind of fear of missing out. Yeah. And I want to see what I'm doing. So I guess it's trying to strike that middle ground between saying, it's not like you should never use your phone again. We're not here shunning technology. But it's just the small things like not feeling this compulsive need to like hold your phone so you you can pee without it and you can go to bed and and, and talk to someone without it. So I've got a rule that when I'm one-to-one with anyone, my phone is invisible. So that's another little thing I've done. So, because I've had that experience, I'm sure you have, that you go out for a drink with a friend and you're talking to them and they pick their phone up and go, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm just, I am listening, I am listening, I'm just going to check. But you're not listening. And you're not listening. And you feel, am I I not interesting? What's the matter? So I always keep my phone completely hidden, um, not on my, and it's interesting, you talked about having it in your pocket. I think if we can feel it, it's a distraction as well. So I make sure it's in a bag, in a coat where I can't feel it or, or see it. I read that recently. Even though it's turned over, you still know it's there, as you said. Well, there's a really interesting piece of research Harvard just did. So even if our phones are face down and switched off, they reduce our available IQ for problem solving by 10 points. Really? So if you're trying to work and you have your phone on your desk, which most people do, even if it's face down, even if it's switched off, you haven't got all of your brain capacity because you're constantly looking at it thinking... Oh, I wonder. I wonder if there's a you know reply to that email. I wonder if there's a like on that post. I wonder if someone's commented on my story. So the best thing we can do is completely have it out of sight. And I do think the analogy with food works really well because... You know, if you were trying to eat healthily, would you walk around with a bar of chocolate in your hand the whole time, in your back pocket and put it on your desk? Yeah, no. And keep looking at it going, I really mustn't touch that. It's there. But, you know, you you know, one of the things you do when you try and eat more healthily is clear out all the things that might be you know, unhealthy and tempting and and fill the space with things that are healthy. Yeah, it's so true. If you're like, I'm going to eat well now, you're not going to go and like move into a donut shop. No, no. And then just use massive self-control. Well, actually, we know as human animals, we're really bad at self-control. Yeah, and we should be much more kind of forgiving, as you said, of ourselves, of of that's who we are. So I think it's the same with our tech. We, We just, you know, let's not beat ourselves up. It is really seductive. There's lots of great things on it. But if we want to spend time with people and properly connect... We've got to put it away. And actually, I never said to any of my friends that I was going to have my phone away because I hate that whole lecturing thing where you tell people it's the worst thing. But actually, I found that the more I did it, the more they noticed and kind of did it as well. I think we need to do it in the workplace too because I I don't know about you, but I've been to loads of meetings where everyone has their phones uh, and laptops. And you think, is anyone actually paying any attention to anything that's going on in this meeting? I know, it's so, so, so true. And it's it's so easy to be distracted, it's mm. unbelievable. Yeah, We have a lot of questions from our readers that I want to include some of. And one that I thought was quite interesting, actually. What should we be aiming for? You know, what is a kind of good amount to spend online? That's such a good question. So we don't have any research yet. I mean, there's one piece of research from Oxford and Cardiff University that suggested for 15-year-olds, the limit was about, I think it was four hours a day okay. on screens. So and that's that, screens in general? So that included TV, 
uh, games consoles, you know, screens in the classroom and phones. So the limit for smartphones, I think, for 15-year-olds was one hour, 57 minutes. At that point, their self-reported happiness decreased. So, that's, But it's the only thing we've got. So when I talk to people about it, I say the only thing that research tells us is that there is a point there is a point at which we start not to feel good. And it's not 12 hours. And it's not 12 hours and it's not 24 hours, yeah. yeah. So I think I think it's, it's valuable to look at quantity because we all probably notice when we get to a point and think, actually, that's a bit too much. I think what's more important, though, is quality and what are we actually doing on screens. Because everybody, when they talk about this, says, but it's so useful. You know, I've got the Uber app and City Mapper, and I've got Amazon and I've got all these things that make my life easier. But that's not where we're wasting our time. Um, if we're all really honest with each other, and we can now see actually through Apple screen time since they've introduced it, we're spending hours just passively scrolling through stuff that doesn't make us feel good. So I think the answer is look at how many hours you're spending on work and then think about whether all your leisure time needs to be spent on screens. Because that's the big difference in 15 years or 20 years. When I think about when I grew up, so my parents didn't work on screens during the day. No, no one did. So when they came home, we watched television. That's how we unwound. Now what we're doing is we're working on screens and we're playing on screens. So that's the kind of division I ask people to think about. Yeah, and now there's all these interesting studies, like spending two hours in nature has yeah, an amazing yeah. impact. And we're doing less of that. So on my podcast, it's complicated. I interviewed a guy uh, who's an adventurer, and he said, just in one generation, we've more than half the amount of time we spend outside because we're spending so much time looking at screens. And it's so funny because we were talking completely differently, but about gut health a couple of weeks ago. And Dr. Megan, who was our guest, was saying, you know, she was talking about sugar and she was saying, you know, it's not that we should demonize sugar, but if yeah. we eat loads of sugar, then we're using all our kind of calorie intake on those sorts of foods. So we're not having space for the fruit and veg and things like that, which are really good for us. And I feel like it's exactly the same thing here. Sugar is a really good analogy. I if think. you're filling up all your hours in the day on your phone, on junk, mindlessly scrolling, yeah. then you don't have time to go outside because yeah. there aren't extra hours in the day now. Yeah. When I take people away on retreats, the one thing they say is they can't believe how long days are because everyone's forgotten how many hours there are in the day. And I always say to people, expect to be bored because we've all forgotten how to entertain ourselves. So, you know, I mean, why would you learn how to entertain yourself when you've got the world's entertainment resources in your hand? But I think that's a problem. That's a problem for creativity because we just pick our screens up and we just kind of browse. Yeah, we've been talking about that a lot, actually, in light of kind of Sky and how we're going to deal with that as parents. And definitely instinctively feels like, to me, it's not brilliant for her creativity and kind of development yeah, of that yeah. to spend loads of time just sort of watching TV. But, but I, you know, and I don't say that with any judgment. So I know we haven't got to that point yet. I'm sure it's a lot easier said than done. But I'm sure there's probably some quite interesting research around that as well. Yeah, well, we've known for a while that the more hours a child spends on TV, the less their academic, you know, their academic performance at school is reduced. There's a strong correlation between those two. And I think we will find in years to come, there's exactly the same relationship between, you know, if you're spending as a child growing up all your time on screens and you're not learning how to be creative. So one piece of research I came across recently was um, primary school children there's some evidence that they've got reduced when they're joining school um, in kind of nursery inception, they've got reduced language abilities because they're spending a lot of time around parents who aren't actually 
looking and talking at them. They're looking at their screens. So they're not learning language in the same way. That's uh, so, I mean, it's fascinating, but also really sad. Scary, yeah. And I, I want to pick up on the boredom point as well. Mm. And I know people have talked about it recently. Like, it's really important that we like relearn how to be bored and that being bored slightly a part of life and one question that kept coming up which I thought was really interesting is how do you break the habit of just picking up your phone out of boredom because you know there's a lull at work or you're standing in the queue at Tesco to get your dinner or something and I think that begs the question like why do we feel so bored these days? We've forgotten yeah we don't exercise that muscle anymore do we to you know daydream so what I say to someone about standing in a queue or even sitting on a tube or a bus is make sure your device is completely put away, make sure it's in a bag, not in your pocket, and then just let your mind wander and look round at everything. To start with, when you're spending time off screens, if it's not the standing in the queue thing, you're better off actually trying to find something active to do with your brain, to fill that space. I mean, it's mindfulness, really, isn't it? We need to let go of thoughts and observe the thoughts that are coming in. I think it's no accident that the whole mindfulness movement has boomed since the invention of screens because it's the antidote to screens. A hundred percent. It's really interesting. When I was doing my yoga teacher training, uh, one of the teachers said, uh, I was saying, you know, I really struggle with meditation. It's the bit that I struggle with. You know, when do you find the time? How do you do it? He said, you know, I meditate on the tube. And I thought, yeah. what? <laughs> How? You know, it's so busy. It's so loud. And he said, you know, the first time I was rubbish. I was really rubbish. I was so distracted. And then I got better and I got better and I got better. And now I can meditate anywhere and I thought it was so interesting and it's something that really stuck with me as I said it's just we've got to kind of retrain the way that we do things to sit and just to look around and kind of allow our minds to wander and be calm and as you said it's not it's not that shocking that people feel the need to do that now and I think that's what is also interesting and I know it's something we've talked about a lot at Dershisiello is there's a challenge now that people feel the sense of busyness and compulsive need to do Mm, everything because mm. it's like you need to meditate you need to do yoga and you need to get outside because you need it as you said as the antidote to being online the whole time in this kind of pressure that we feel on ourselves to be like the person that we see through a screen even though we don't even know what's going on in the person through the screen's life you know it's only just a tiny snapshot I always say it's like a you know it's a highlight reel it's just a it's a tiny highlight reel yeah, yeah it's just a little insight into someone's day and it's so important to see it for what it is but because it's come on so quickly we we don't see it like that anymore and I think that's what's so interesting and maybe if we spent less time on screens as you say all that pressure we put on ourselves to do all the stuff that we to make up for because we're spending the time on the screens would would fall away a little bit and we'd be a little less frantic totally and I I definitely I found it interesting in the last kind of couple of months having had Sky that you obviously your priorities shift because you're trying to fit Mm. everything in and you suddenly realise oh my God, I actually do have more time in the day than I realised. Because I actually used to spend like, you know, 20 minutes in the morning just like scrolling. You know, great as that is at moments, like that's 20 minutes that I could have had breakfast with my husband or I could have called a friend or I could have taken a bit of a walk. You know, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to eat well. And it's the question is if we shifted our priorities and didn't spend as much time on Facebook, would we? Well, I mean, those stats you quoted at the beginning about how much time we spent on screens in 2000, was it 2005 yeah. and now, what were we doing with all those hours in 2005? That's what I ask everyone to think about. Yeah, because we've got 16 extra hours yeah. in a week. So what what did we used to do? And most people will say it's something to do with exercise, you know, that they don't exercise as much as they used to. Being outside, going out more, spending more time with friends. You know, most people can come, or reading. My, one of my big impetuses was someone asked me what book I was currently reading. 
and I realised I hadn't read a book properly, you know, from start to finish mm. for two years. And I read English at university. I was always, you know, kind of voracious reader. And I thought, when did I stop reading properly? And I realised it was when I started using screens a lot. So I think for all of us, it's going to be something different. But I think we can all probably look back and think, what was I doing more of a few years ago? And am I more or less anxious or happy now than I was then? Maybe what I need to do is rewind a bit and start doing a little bit more of the stuff that actually made me feel good. I find reading a really interesting example, and I'm sure there's lots of other sort of similar things, but I know when I, kind of a year or so ago, really kind of checked in with how much I was using my phone, it was when we were on holiday and I was still checking my phone the whole time. I just thought, what on earth am I doing? I thought, I'm going to read a book. And I get just like you, always loved reading and like really rekindled my love of it. And I really would advise anyone, if you do enjoy reading, to, to, to take reading up in that sense. Because what I found so helpful was it is it was really good to be distracted. Yeah, your hands are yeah, busy. Yeah. Your head is busy. Yeah. It's really hard if you're trying to cut down on your usage today because you're thinking, you know, what might be a good thing for my kind of overall well-being if you're not doing anything mm. and you are sitting yeah. in boredom. So it's the equivalent of sitting and looking at the chocolate and exactly. going, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. I think yoga is really good for that as well because you can't look at a screen while doing yoga. Exactly. You? And you're really actively encouraged to put yeah. your phone away. Yeah. And I think there is something really good about an activity, you know, might be knitting or, you know, yeah, or the mindful yeah. colouring that exists, but doing something that is Keeps actually busy, busy. Yeah. because... It is difficult, as you said. It's like staring at a bar of chocolate when you've given up chocolate for Lent. Whereas if you left the room and went to a yoga class, you wouldn't be like in a downward dog being like, where's my chocolate bar? Although I think I said on one of my podcasts recently, one of my, you know, aha moments was being in a yoga class and watching a guy who had his phone at the top of his mat. And as he was coming down from downward dog, he was checking his phone in the middle of a class. And that was one of those moments for me when I thought, this has gone too far then, isn't it? Because yoga should be, you should be able to spend 40 minutes or whatever it is, completely focused all those activities you've just described the coloring and the knitting and the you know something creative they're all flow activities as well aren't they they're ones that make our beta waves in our brain stimulate and we and we go into that meditative state so yeah finding something that's soothing um, and really needs focus is definitely what we should be doing and from your experience would you say it's better to find a kind of healthier day-to-day habit, say that you kind of try and put your phone away from like eight o'clock or you try and not switch it on until you've left the house or something like that. Or, you know, because there's a big movement at the moment about kind of weekends offline and 48 mm. hours or 24 yeah. hours or something. Where, where would you start? So I think for most people, 48 hours is too much. I mean, it, you know, it's proper cold turkey, isn't it? Maybe you're an all or nothing person and you can go without your screens. But for most people, I think we just need little pauses throughout the day that are screen free. So the loo, the bathroom. Some people I've worked with decide that they're not going to check their phone until they've had breakfast in the morning. So the whole of the morning routine, which, you know, loads of people, loads of successful people write about their morning routines, don't they? So it's kind of I get up, I do my, you know, my meditation, I do a bit of exercise, I get dressed, I eat, and then I take my phone out. Um, the commute is another really good time. So I think for, it's just, and, and phone-free lunches. I'm a big fan of taking a proper lunch break and leaving your screen behind in the office. And when I suggest that to people, they always look horrified at the thought of stepping outside. But that's a perfect little pause in the day. That's your opportunity to maybe go out with a, a co-worker or a friend, chat to them, have something to eat. So I would say little pauses 
And then if you feel more confident, and I say this in my book, oh, the first challenge I set myself is I walked to the corner shop to get some milk without my phone. Um, and that was enough the first time because I was walking the whole time going, where is it? You know, it's not in my pocket. I'm going to walk really, really fast and get back. But now I can take the dog out. Now I can go for a whole Sunday um, without it. So I think it's that muscle that we just need to flex a bit. Yeah, it's really interesting. I took my emails off my phone a Did few you? months ago. Yeah, and everyone was like, what? How are you going to do that? And I felt really nervous the first few times. Mm. I kept thinking, oh my God, I've missed something. Oh my God, I've missed something. I've missed something. I've definitely missed something. The world's going to be up in flames. And then now I just couldn't care less. Yeah. And what's so interesting about it was that I was so disengaged in a way with what I was writing because I was so multitasking that I was just doing both things badly. Whereas now I check my emails, let's say like four or five times a day every couple of hours and I'll sit down and I will either flag it remember it think about it or I will come back to you and I will actually write that email to you Mm. thinking about it and Mm. I think it is really really interesting and that's all about building relationships again isn't it that goes right back to what we were talking about connecting with people because actually one of the downsides of the online world is that we've all become a lot ruder with each other you know there's you know kind of hostility online there's trolling there's people writing comments I think email is one of the big things that's responsible for that because we fire off emails without really thinking. I've sent off angry emails and afterwards looked and thought, oh. Um, and it's because we're, we're doing, as you said, while being distracted by something else. And, but that, that means our quality of our relationships are deteriorating because actually a well-written email has a chance to build a relationship rather than, you know, kind of blow one apart. Totally. But we do need to focus on what we're writing. Exactly. And so much time you someone can send you a long message and you just skim read it. Yeah, yeah. And then you suddenly think, well, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? Because we now have to send three more emails because they didn't answer half your points. Um, and I know I'm not the only person that does that. So I have to say, for me, it was a really interesting experience of the panic I had and everyone else's panic when I said I'd done it. Yeah. But how much better it feels. And what I've also realised I would say to anyone is, so far, four months in, there has been nothing that urgent. Like, it's I'm- okay. The world's still standing. Everything's still spinning. You don't need it all the time. Now, there are going to be moments in your life that it's different. Like, you know, I know last year when Matt's mum was very ill, he had his phone with him on loud mm. all the time. Obviously, that's completely, completely different. And I think it's worth saying that. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about when everyone's good, there's nothing that you're waiting for or kind of nervous about and therefore need your phone next to you. This is about day-to-day living. And could you be more present in what you're doing? Would that make you happier? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the FOMO point is really good. Everyone I know who's tried it is amazed by how little you actually do miss out on. But you have to try it to realise that. And, and I think the the fear of trying sometimes is worse than the actual experience. I find that when I take people on retreats, that people say, I just can't do it. I just can't be away from my phone. And when they do it, they can't believe actually how easy it is. It's not, you know, we're not talking about drugs and alcohol. It's not a massive addiction. It's just really habit. a global bad habit. <laughs> and actually it's in my experience, relatively easy to break. And there are great things. Like I love things like podcasts. And in a way, I think they're amazing for your relationship with your phone because you do put it away. Yeah, and you are but listen- you're listening. I and agree. you're listening, yeah. but you're not bored. And yeah. so you're kind of quenching the boredom thirst, but you're not kind of constantly checking and scrolling and flicking. And you feel like you're learning. You, you know, it's just like reading or knitting. 
or going to a yoga class or, you know, going cycling, whatever, you, you feel like you've achieved something because you've learned something or listened to something or something's made you laugh. It's like, it's a positive in your day. Yeah. And I keep saying that to you. I think there's something really powerful in like claiming your time. Yeah. And yeah. not just letting it like passively scroll by and you get back from work and you sit and you just scroll the Instagram for two hours and then you go to bed and it's like, well, so you gave your whole day to someone else to work. What have you done for you today? And the people around you. Exactly. Yeah. And it's... It's really, really interesting. So I just want to pick up one or two um, more readers' questions. I think this one was really interesting. I'm anxious when I'm on it and I'm anxious when I'm off it. Help. <laughs> uh, well, you're, I would say to that person is probably only anxious when they're off it because they're anxious off it for a small period of time. Yeah. So it's probably a bit like the sugar rush. You know, you eat the sugar, you come down from the sugar, you take more sugar, you come down from the sugar. You know, I would say what that person needs to do is spend longer periods of time away. Difficult, though, that's really going to be. But find something, as we talked about before, really compelling and exciting and interesting to do the first few times you do it. And so how long before you go to bed should you ideally turn a screen off? Well, that's really interesting because we used to think that there was this golden hour just before you went to bed uh, that was the crucial thing. So we had to turn it off an hour before we slept. But actually research came out recently that's shown that if we use screens too much at any time during the day, it's affecting our sleep. So if we were on screens nine hours in the day and then did our, well, I'm going to stop an hour before bed, we're still going to have problems sleeping. So by all means, stop looking at your screen just before you go to bed. But if you're doing it for sleep, that's not going to help entirely with your sleep issue. You need to look at your whole pattern of screen use throughout the day. Okay. And then another question which came up a lot, I think is also obviously very prevalent to us, is like any tips on kind of raising kids and families in such a digital world? Because obviously you don't want to say to them, you can never look at a screen and then they go to school and everyone's talking about Peppa Pig or whatever it is. And they're like, who's Peppa Pig? Yeah. So I feel really strong about the whole uh, kids and uh, parents. And again, I think about the food analogy. So as parents... One of our jobs is to teach our children how to eat healthily and how to make the right choices about food. And we don't say to them, you can't ever eat that. And we don't make some things banned and some things bad and other things good. I think the first thing you have to start with, though, as a parent is your own screen use. Because we know that if children grow up in households with heavy drinkers, they're more likely to drink. We know if they grow up in households with heavy smokers, they're more likely to smoke. It's not rocket science to think in a few years' time we're going to find out that the parents who couldn't put their phones down are going to be raising the children that find it difficult to be away from screens. So, I mean, it's really logical, isn't it? If you're a child and you see your mother's face in a screen, you're going to think that's a really attractive object. You know, that object's important. I I need to have that. So I say to a lot of parents with really young children, so I'm looking at you, Ella. Yeah, I know, I'm taking this on board. (laughs) That... Think of it a little bit like the glass of wine you have when they go to bed. So you've done your bath, they go to bed, and then you drink the glass of wine that you don't walk around with all day and they're seeing you drinking wine. And maybe think of phones a bit like that, that, you know, make them invisible while your children are very young um, as much as possible so that they are interacting with you and they're looking at your face. When they're a bit older, as they get a bit older, you have to sit them down and have the conversations about what healthy screen use is. So every device you get them, when you get them their first iPad, their first phone, it's the conversation about, you know, how are we going to use this and what's healthy and what sort of stuff makes us feel good. And, you know, you're probably the first generation that are going to be able to really have those conversations with Mm. your children because... I didn't grow up, you know, I wasn't using screens 
when I was very young or um, or even when my children were very young. So I think, you know, it's kind of, it's a bit of a learning curve we've all gone through, but the most important thing is we need to talk about it. We always try and end each episode with kind of three take-homes. It's things that, you know, if listeners are listening to this and thinking, do you know, I really want to implement some of that. Like, what are your kind of top three most important things if people are going to just remember three things? Uh, build little pauses into the day. Uh, seriously think about getting an alarm clock or finding a way that your phone is not the thing that wakes you up in the morning because that cuts down with all the late night, early morning scrolling. And, you know, my favourite rule I have myself is no screens visible when one-to-one. I think that bit that's possibly missing about that real-world connection, the thing that's making us lonely, if we actually put our screens away and say to the person in front of us, you are the most important thing, person to me in this moment, I think that's only going to benefit all of us. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And then I guess it's worth saying as well as someone that spends a lot of time on social media, I think it's also so worth remembering that everything you see there is a highlights reel. You know, it's not, everyone's days can be quite boring. It's okay. Like people take to social media to share the interesting parts, the good or the bad. No one actually wants to see a really busy tube platform every day Mm -hmm. being like, I'm crammed in like a sardine. Like it's not interesting. But it's worth remembering that it's there. That that's what most of our lives are like, actually. Exactly. We're not on holiday all the time, are we? But if you go on Instagram, someone is always on holiday somewhere. <laughs> totally. And it's lovely to see those pictures. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But they're not exactly, they're on holiday two weeks a year or something yeah. like that. And that's what they want to show you because it's interesting, because it's beautiful wherever they are. Whereas it's not interesting to see their commute in the rain. Mm. Um, so just a bit of food for thought and um, thank you so much for coming on and I definitely am gonna check myself a lot about the way that I'm using my phone and screens in general because it is it's so so interesting and such a big part I think of kind of finding our way of being happy and um, thank you guys so much for listening as always if you've enjoyed it please do rate it or review it and um, the website that is so worth looking at is it's time to log off.com have a lovely day everyone bye